Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. Should I still say on AMC since it is no longer on AMC? The point where that's true? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But I said it anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're here to do a series wrap up. Yes. And that is going to be just a massive block of feedback from everybody who has watched the show and deemed it worthy to write into us. Something in the neighborhood of 24 pages, I believe you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I tried not to cut too much. That's including all the stuff from last week um, that, you know, I said we would punt to this week. So uh, with, with maybe a little bit of editing done because we had so much. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important before we get started today and talk about what everybody thought about this series and where it stands in the pantheon of Breaking Bad universe. Because um, remember, we still have that to do. Mm-hmm. We asked people, okay, which one is better? <laughs> and we got the vote is in, and I've tallied it. Good, I've and been we'll, thinking about it. We'll talk about that, but we're going to save that to the end. Uh, really leave you in suspense here. Mm. Um, before we start, I got to say, busted out the good stuff. Oh, shit. What happened? My disk drive is running out of space. Oh, shit. Busted out the good stuff. We did. For tonight. By the good stuff, I mean... I I tried to replicate the rusty nail that Gene drinks. To great success, I would say. I was a little... Yeah, I was a little cautious because I'm not the biggest scotch fan in the world. But I tell you, you add lemon and honey to pretty much anything, it's going to be good. And that is the case here. Yeah. So we, um, so the recipe, in case anybody cares to join us, <laughs> is uh, an ounce and a half of scotch, an ounce of drambuie, and a twist of lemon. And if you're Gene, it's a whole big squirt of lemon, that artificial <laughs> oh, lemon yeah. juice. The easy stuff, the yeah. easy squeezy. Yeah, uh, but we did it upright. We got a, <laughs> when I say we busted out the good stuff, I mean it. It's the bottles I've been saving for years uh, yeah. of Invergordon 25 years. Small batch, single malt scotch. It was the only scotch in the house. Yeah, but I feel like it was worth it. You know, Definitely. come all this way with Better Call Saul. Might as well bust out the good stuff. And then, yeah. of course, we did real lemons because we're not, we're not heathens. We're not on the run from the authorities. We can afford real lemons. Yeah, and they definitely haven't been sitting on the counter for like two weeks, and we definitely didn't have to like use them or throw them out. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Beside the point, we cut a lemon and we squeezed a lemon. It was a lot of work. Uh, All right, I I guess we should probably just get into it. Get used to hearing the sounds of jingling, because we are going to be drinking throughout this podcast, so... 
Yes. Celebrating. If yeah, you will. it's a good run. It's a good run. It was. Um, and we'll talk more about that at the very end, but we're going to start off with some stuff from last week and then move into as much of the, the final uh, stuff as we can here before we get too, too bogged down, uh, before this takes too long. Because mm-hmm. we don't have infinite time tonight. I still have to watch a movie tonight. Oh, a lot damn. of stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, but let's start off. We start off with Chris writes in and says the cold open with Saul and Mike in the desert finding the water and the windmill is actually a location that was used in Breaking Bad season four episode five shotgun mm. uh, in the Breaking Bad episode Mike digs up a dre- dead drop of money with Jesse near the windmill right. I was lucky enough to be watching Breaking Bad and happened to notice the location good catch uh, yeah that's a cool little easter egg and I, I remember that part of Breaking Bad where mm-hmm. he's kind of like taking him around trying to teach him how to not be terrible <laughs> yeah imparting some little life lessons here and there and also like uh unintentionally bonding with him because yeah. jesse's a good kid under underneath everything totally and mike's a good guy underneath everything all right we got uh, a plethora of chris's here another chris writes in this time christopher mm. uh Fancy. So I'm going to take what he has to say much more seriously than Chris. Because <laughs> he has two more <laughs> syllables in his name. He says, got a few thoughts from the Walt scene. Uh, you know, obviously this is uh, the the them in the underground hideout. The safe room. Yeah. Disappearers hideout. Yeah. First, I've always seen a connection between Walt and Chuck in the same way they're both smart but stubborn sticks in the mud who get in the way. <laughs> Walt talks about his, this being about regret, so why dance around seems like something Chuck would say, uh, as well as his obsession with tiny things like the drip. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of when Chuck tore up his house, yeah, looking for yep. the little bit of EM. Of course, we know that was all just guilt. Right. Uh, also, Jimmy seems to be to want to be like them. Um, or liked by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Walt said Jimmy was always like this. I disagree and agree. I think Jimmy was always slipping Jimmy. He's always a con artist. He was always a bit greedy, but he wasn't always Saul. Saul is a different level of an asshole than Jimmy. Chuck didn't create slipping Jimmy, but he might have had a hand in Saul. Jimmy's speech with Mike showed he always had that drive to do anything for money, but he wasn't the... Hooker-banging, assistant-harassing, murder-facilitating maniac that we see in Breaking Bad. That is not to blame Chuck 100%. Being a bad brother normally just leads to awkward Thanksgivings. <laughs> it doesn't lead to a creation of a criminal empire that causes tons of death. Think Chuck's death, Kim leaving, and what happened to Howard, and the refusal to seek mental or mental help or confront those things is what pushed him over the edge. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, <laughs> pushback on the... T- hashtag fuck chuck or <laughs> i guess me getting off that bandwagon a little bit yeah uh so yeah you know this is a little bit of support to that like yeah chuck was involved but come on he went overboard all right norm writes in congrats on the end of your successful coverage of another great tv show i was skeptical that this show about a despicable character could be anything other than a novelty when it started i cared for jimmy when his antics couldn't really hurt anyone and then when this past couple of seasons devolved him i started to remember why i was resistant to this show to begin with in fact after episode eight of this season i was back to feeling saul was beyond saving Hmm. but then this production team changed things around again saul couldn't be saved but jimmy still had a chance and Mm -hmm. wow did he do so in that courtroom 
The episode flashbacks pretty much indicate nobody thought Jimmy or Saul could change, and then him standing up in court saying he made Walter White wasn't just braggadocious, it was the truth. He made this happen. He could have stopped it by just letting it go, but he needed the next fix. He was as culpable, if not more, than anyone else. He did, and you know what? Interestingly enough, uh, if for no other reason than basically everybody else died, he's the only one who actually has suffered any consequences for that whole thing, for mm-hmm. the whole Breaking Bad thing. He is the only one yeah. who stood up, who ended up standing up and saying, I did this thing. Uh, Jesse ran away, basically, just fine. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is dead. So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> true. He's the only one still suffering consequences. Yeah. Owning up to it and mm-hmm. yeah, making He's it right. Maybe the biggest man of all of them. Hmm. In a weird way. Uh, all right, let's move over to Michael, who says, I've been disappointed with Gene up until this episode. They felt like it just dragged out Khan to get Gene arrested, but the finale was excellent. I especially enjoyed the turn with the FBI and Marie when Gene went from his sad story to one. I just need one. Mm-hmm. It was glorious and reminded me of Walt's confession tape as he completely turns the tables on Hank. Poor Marie for having to endure something like that again. And it was great to see Brett's, Betsy Brant again, too. I agree. That was, uh, yeah, it does evoke the tape that, you know, Walt leaves, like, talking about how Hank is the real villain. Like, that was yeah, such a turn. that was, that was a, that part of that episode was very difficult to watch. So despicable. so slimy, yeah. Yeah. You should, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad yet, just, just do it. Just do yourself a favor and do it. Oh, it's yeah. It's good. It's Absolutely. long, but it's good. It's worth it. All right, Rinaldi writes in and says, as Rich Schweikert said, Schweikert? Schweikert. Said at the conclusion of the Jimmy Better Call Saul timeline, the end of an era. The mm-hmm. end of the please don't do a Gus or Kim spinoff Peter Gould and Vince <laughs> Gilligan Breaking Bad era for Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan is here. The finale was artfully done with respect to the pilot episode and early season storylines. The final smoke between Jimmy and Kim inside the prison reminded me of the smoke they shared in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Listening to Better Cast Saul was like watching Kim and Jimmy sharing their final cigarette. It was a bittersweet feeling knowing you guys won't be podcasting about the show, but I'm happy to hear you guys discuss Saul and all things Breaking Bad. Minus the discussion about Miracle Whip, mayonnaise, and tuna sandwiches, <laughs> and my only negative criticism of the great podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I went a little hard. I went a little hard on Miracle Whip. I mean, like Miracle Whip and mayonnaise, each person will have their own preference. And if yours is not for that discussion, I don't follow you. It's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, the reappearance of Mike and Chuck in different flashbacks within the Jimmy and Better Call Saul timeline was enjoyable, but my favorite cameo of a dead character in this episode is Walter White. Mm. It was satisfying seeing Walter again, but this time as season five Walter. Yeah. The I version of Walter that. that embraces his Heisenberg identity. Yeah, full full dick Walt, basically. Yeah. Um and he also says it was it was hilarious hearing Walter do his insufferable scientific genius act because he's mm-hmm. triggered by the term time machine. Walt calling Saul on his nonsense after t- Saul talks about his slip and fall is his greatest regret. My favorite part of this episode and the dialogue between the two characters was great. Some Breaking Bad is better fans have complained about this show as being gratuitous. Do you guys agree that Saul's inability or unwillingness to talk about his life as Jimmy McGill during the Breaking Bad timeline justifies Better Call Saul's existence from a thematic standpoint? 
I think the the awesomeness of the show justifies the existence of the show. It's a great show. You're right about that because it could have just as been just as easily been. Well, that was pointless. We learned a bunch of <laughs> stuff about a guy that ultimately is is hollow and empty, and who mm-hmm. cares? I mean, that's the thing. Like when I was watching Breaking Bad, I never thought I need to know more about Saul. I, I never thought that because Saul's a, a minor side character who I thought I thought wore everything on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. I thought like I knew everything about Saul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I could tell. You know, that he didn't have many people in his life just based on the way he acted. Uh, all that stuff I felt like I got. But then, you know, this series comes along and like you said, it justified its own existence because it was so good. Because it gave life to essentially a new character, Jimmy McGill, that we didn't even know about. It is. It ended up being such a brilliantly human show. Yeah. that's what I think that's what I like the most about it. And... I'll have to. I'll tell you at the end of the. I'll tell you at the end of this which show I prefer. Mm, yeah, because the I only have, votes I haven't registered are ours. I have an opinion now. I've thought about it over the last week, and I have an opinion. So have I. Mm. All right. Exciting. Let's see how it goes. I don't know yours. You don't know mine, do you? No, I don't. Oh boy. <laughs> the biggest reveal. All right, Maggie says, "Did you catch the meta commentary provided in the final episode by Bill Oakley?" After Jimmy proclaimed that none of Walter White's drug empire would have been possible without his work as Saul Goodman, Petty with a prior shouted to the judge, <laughs> there's nothing to call this other than speculation. A nice nod to the conversation around whether Jimmy or Saul was actually the one responsible for making possible the full Breaking Bad universe. Because we did discuss that. Mm-hmm. Would these events truly never have unfolded without Saul Goodman, or is that just speculation? I think it's speculation, but I think it's... It's like an educated guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Could Walt have found another contact? Could he have overcome the momentum that Gus had in the drug game in Albuquerque? Maybe. Maybe. He's a very smart guy. But, you know, it wouldn't have gone certainly the way that we saw it without Saul. Yeah, I believe that is the fairest way to say it. It It wouldn't have gone down the same way. We have to remember that Saul had so many contacts in the underworld of Albuquerque, mm-hmm. and Walt used those contacts, like uh, Huel and other guy with red hair, his Bill real Burr. name. I thank you, yeah. yes, Bilber. I but I had never remember his character, QB. That's Cubie, what it was. Yeah, uh, that's the thing we we seem to not think about either. I know we saw a lot of this, so it's not like intended to just be mysterious and behind the scenes but he's got the little black book mm-hmm. the the rolodex of the the vet at the end of breaking bad yep and so you assume he has a lot more contacts than was ever than what, revealed than who were on screen yeah right definitely so yeah it would have just been different wouldn't have been as clean tom as writes in dirty as it was <laughs> Tom writes in and says, I have too many thoughts to count, so I'll keep it to just one. The use of color. Oh, boy. Let's crack this old chestnut open again. (laughs) In the gene timeline. (laughs) You you screwed me up. (laughs) Another sip of dream, That'll that'll help. (laughs) 
In the Gene timeline, we have only seen one use of color up to the finale, which were uh, old Better Call Saul commercials reflected in Gene's glasses. Mm -hmm. The obvious take here is that Gene's life is bland and Saul Goodman life was where the excitement was. However, now seeing the events of Better Call Saul, we can confirm that the Saul version of life was a fake. It was cheap tricks and flashy colors to distract from pain. In the final scene, we see color in the cigarette Kim and Jimmy share. Oh, do we? Oh, did was I miss the, that? Was the the lit end of the cigarette colored? I don't know. I must have missed it. Damn, oh, good catch. Oh, I did too. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Right. Uh, That's cute. If I were to be all therapisty about it, my take is that this is the life returning uh, to Jimmy in an earned way, no tricks. Jimmy let himself be vulnerable for the first time. He let himself show emotion. He let himself be laid bare after six seasons of hiding. Only in vulnerability can we truly be seen and therefore feel truly alive. It's not flashy. It's not a mask. It's very small moments of intimacy and connection that build over time. This is the first, first spark of life Jimmy has been able to feel in a very long time, and it's earned because he had to do the work of letting himself be honest for that to happen. Uh, yeah, it's ironic, I think, that you know, Jimmy would have to get a life sentence in prison in order to regain his life. He'd have to lose back. his life to right. gain his life. He has to lose his freedom to gain his life. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but I, I like that take. I Me like too. it. I didn't even notice the cigarette. But I didn't either. Now I feel like a jackass. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's something else in the scene. <laughs> Brian writes in and says, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing. Quick thoughts on the finale. I really enjoy the theme of looking back and thinking about regrets. The mm -hmm. scenes with Mike, Walter, and Chuck were great. All are smart, powerful, and important characters with engaging perspectives. At the end, Saul did face his demons and accepted the full punishment he deserved, but he never made the full arc of changing his path. He just resigned to pay for what he'd already done. Chuck tells the younger Jimmy, if you don't like where you're heading, there is no shame in going back and changing your path. Wouldn't it have been great if Jimmy actually took a new path and started trying to help those around him? Perhaps counseling inmates, teaching other inmates about the law, maybe how to manage a business after they get out. I think about how he really did help others in his past, so it was part of his character and would not have been out of left field. Examples include that most of his efforts with the elderly had mm -hmm. been in their best interests, and he wanted to help the troubled girl get the scholarship from H&M. Do you agree, or am I way off base? Uh, that would have been, yeah, an extra layer on the cake. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, I guess, face turn cake for, for Saul, Jimmy. Yeah, it would have, it would have been nice, I suppose, but it might have felt like a little much. Yeah. Like a little too much like see it. redemption. Yeah. Um, or too much of like a whiplash of the character. Cause we do have mm -hmm. people who were complaining about like, Oh boy, all of a sudden he's going to like throw away his whole life when he was fighting so hard against it. But yeah, that might've been even more of a whiplash for those people. So I could see why they wouldn't want to do it and leave it as like sort of a bittersweet ending. Yeah. They had to walk a pretty fine line in this finale. And I, I think sure. they did as good of a job with it as they could have. Overall. All right. Here's a pretty interesting email for its perspective. Devin writes in and says, my wife and I just wrapped up Better Call Saul and we tried an experiment with this show. I've seen Breaking Bad, but my wife hasn't. 
We decided it would be interesting to compare how each of our experiences differed based on our Breaking Bad knowledge or lack thereof. For me, this has meant agonizing years of holding my tongue on Easter eggs, <laughs> references, and characters like Lalo. Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd write in to share my wife's comment about her unadulterated Better Call Saul experience. Her lack of Breaking Bad knowledge served her best in earlier seasons. She was genuinely shocked by Hector's accident, landing him crippled in the wheelchair and other such twists. Multiple times, she thought Mike was about to get himself killed, and she was surprised that he lasted through the entire series. She generally enjoyed a greater degree of suspense than I did in certain scenes. The only character she knew made it through was Jimmy. However, according to her, the Gene scenes and Breaking Bad flashbacks felt disjointed, arbitrary, and confusing. Especially during the Breaking Bad flashbacks, without the black and white to help her out, she didn't know where exactly in the timeline we were supposed to be. Walt and Saul talking in a random basement was contextless to her and didn't mean much aside from Saul's supposed regrets. The Gene timeline in general, she was never particularly invested in or intrigued by. She said that there seems to be a tension written into that timeline that the audience is expected to feel, but that she doesn't, because outside of some vague references and guesswork, she doesn't know how and why Saul ended up as Gene in the first place. She didn't know who Marie was, or who Hank or Gomi were, even though she'd previously seen them in their cameo episode. To her, they were just one-off DEA agents from so long ago she doesn't remember their names, doesn't connect to them, uh, to anything important. All this meant that the majority of these meaty courtroom scenes had little oomph for her outside of how it affected Jimmy and Kim and their relationship. She says that for her, the ideal Better Call Saul finale would have been Jimmy and Kim breaking up, leading into the Breaking Bad flash forward that culminates with Saul sitting at his desk. She says that's the finale in her mind and said that everything after that felt like a finale, but not for Better Call Saul, rather for Breaking Bad and the Breaking Bad universe as a whole. I'm excited to start a Breaking Bad binge with her, but I'm also disappointed that between the Jean-Francesca call and the Jean-Kim call and the courtroom scenes with Marie, she's already had the fates of Jesse, Mike, Gus, Hank, Gomi, and several unfortunate inmates partially spoiled. All that to say... Overall, I think it's almost certainly a more rewarding experience to watch Breaking Bad first and then Better Call Saul. Either way, I thought it was fantastic and a good send-off to the Breaking Bad universe. I completely understand Mm -hmm. all these reactions to the series, um, especially the finale. Mm -hmm. And for my money, I would... I would absolutely recommend that people watch them in release order, not in chronological order. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure there is a way to watch them in chronological order because of the Gene stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Better Call Saul just jumps around way too much, especially in this final season. Yeah, in this final season, it's doing a lot of work to try to stitch together the two, I don't want to say timelines, but the two stories. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's... And yeah, disjointed is is the perfect way to put it. I I would think all of these just like out of nowhere time jumps that mean nothing. Mm-hmm. It's and, I've seen shows do this kind of stuff, but not with all the baggage of another show, right? And in those scenes, they're able to you know write in things that kind of indicate okay, how far in the future is this? When? But we already know all that from Breaking Bad, so they don't mm-hmm. need to do that here. And I feel like they don't do that here. Yeah, that's uh, these these cameos do lean pretty heavily on the idea that you... They lean pretty heavily on the emotional baggage from Breaking Bad, from these moments in Breaking Bad that Absolutely. you know are tense. Like, you have the context for 
everything around this moment in time. Yeah. Where if you haven't seen that show, yeah, it's probably pretty meaningless for you, which might be kind of a bummer. Especially that one, that flashback to the RV in the desert. Yeah. Like you're not going to know about the Ignacio line at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Lalo or any of it. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird experience. I definitely recommend release order for this. All right, C C writes in and says, my final question for you is this. What was your favorite piece of misdirection or misplaced theory that you saw from the fandom? My own was that Lyle was one of Mike's men placed (laughs) at Los Poyos Hermanos. Uh, Maybe even the one that Gus complained to Mike was inadequate. Hmm. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. My favorite pet theory that went nowhere and was disproven this season was Kim becomes Wendy. I mean, it was such God. a ridiculous concept in the yeah, first place, right? But I really loved it for some reason. I think I'm with you. I think that's my favorite too because it is patently absurd. <laughs> right. <laughs> Arguably, Kim became worse. She became a red lobster. Yeah. To, to Miracle Whip tuna salad maker. Denim skirt wearing. Denim skirt bad wig. Ding dong. Yeah, bad wig yeah. for sure. Bad bangs. Period. Yeah. But also bad wig. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tom W. says, I was surprised to see how much the prosecutors are willing to compromise with Saul. For such a high-profile case, undercharging seemed like a bigger reputational risk than the unlikely possibility of a hung jury. Am I overestimating how much evidence the DA would actually possess establishing that Saul Goodman was an active and willing partner in Walt's drug empire? While Skylar may have presented herself as a frightened wife in her confessions, I would expect her testimony wouldn't have done Walt's lawyer any favors. Saul seems to hang his compelling story of fear on the initial desert kidnapping, yet there's no evidence for this true colonel in his lie. So all he really has is word that he was a frightened, unwilling partner. Seems like just about any criminal partner can make the same specious claim in most criminal conspiracies. Uh, yeah, I, I had questions around that too. Like mm-hmm. how solid is the case against Saul? Um, we did have a couple of just monumental emails from our resident lawyers and I appreciate them, but <laughs> deleting two emails saved three pages of feedback oh, and guys. probably like 40 minutes of podcast thank you so much so for I had writing to cut them. yeah i really do appreciate it their their questions all um or their their theorizing was all around like the criminal and the civil suits and questions like this like how much of a case yeah. would they really have and without evidence it's hard to imagine they would ever be prosecuted criminally but civilly from cheryl it was almost certain that they that she would bankrupt Kim mm-hmm. if she went through with a lawsuit. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And you you do make a good point. There is no evidence for what Saul says happened to him. But there's also not a lot of evidence for other stuff either. I mean, Mike was good at his job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a body, how are you gonna how are you gonna say Howard's dead? Yeah, it's weird. It's hard. Confession a, means a nothing. Of, a little bit of, of hand waving, maybe, in this yeah. finale, but yeah, you know, what are you gonna do? Sure. 
All right, Eric writes in and says, yay, no montage in the final episode. <laughs> Although it was really great to provide some closure for Hank and Gomez's wife. Oh, they both married the same woman, huh? <laughs> Wives. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was also kind of hoping that one of the DEA prosecutors was going to be the kindergarten cop that Saul first encountered when he met Badger. <laughs> oh, boy, I don't remember that guy. Uh, it was it was Bench sitting... Uh... He was in a, a lot of movies in the 2000s. You know him. Bench sitting. Yeah, he was on the bench with Badger. He's the one who got who pulled Badger out oh, in the first place. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's yeah. calling him kindergarten cop because he's the really tall, goofy looking, the dude. baby yeah. face killer. S- yeah, super skinny. Yep. Okay. <laughs> God, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Yes, I feel we like have. we've read these emails. If we have read these emails before, I apologize. Not, but like, it's quite literally possible. Not possible. Anyway, says I really like where they ended things off, and I don't need to see a sequel or spinoff series. Agreed. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Let them do new stuff. Yeah, I mean, when they say third time's a charm, third time can also be just a real shit show, too. Yeah, and on a high note. Yeah. Right, Tyler P. writes in, says, Once again, Vince and his crew absolutely nailed their finale to an incredible show. I'm sure we're all going to miss the Breaking Bad universe. When do you think we'll see another show on the caliber of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? There's great TV out there from For All Mankind, Westworld, mm-hmm. and hopefully House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and maybe <laughs> even HBO's The Last of Us, which I really hope you're covering. We are. Uh, not Alexis and I. Aaron and I. Uh, however, I don't think any of these shows will come close to the greatness that is Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Hopefully it won't be too long until we see something on this caliber again and we don't have to wait till Vince and his crew move on to their next project, whatever that may be. Uh, boy, there's a lot of good television on. There's a lot of good television. Um, I, I think maybe I get what you're saying, though, because these shows are incredibly dramatic. Mm-hmm. But they're also... <laughs> It feels like the stories of people that maybe you know, or you don't realize that you know, right? Because they're just like suburban people from wherever getting involved in crazy shit. <laughs> so when you talk about that, uh-huh. I don't, yeah, like Westworld is not that, obviously. Uh, it's all like big wigs at this point. I, I have long felt. And this might be a hot take. Ooh, I don't know. Spicy. The, the Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould are telling stories in a way that is blending a modern approach to television with your dad's sensibilities. They are telling dad stories. And it's it's not necessarily the stories themselves are dad stories. It's more like the way they're told is is like old school in a strange way. Like yeah. from from like the last generation of television, and television has like moved on mm-hmm. beyond these shows. Because I'm thinking of stuff like Yellow Jackets, and I've just finished up a series, The Bear, and like Reservation Dogs, and all all these shows that are like coming out that are told by a generation of people you know the next generation beyond mm-hmm. beyond them television is changing and i feel like this is the last of an era of a type of storytelling yeah that 
you know, maybe it needs to die, maybe it doesn't, but I'm like, this feels different than a lot of TV I'm watching now. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. It does. It has a little bit more of a, like, retro is the wrong word, but... Yeah, it's not exactly retro. It's old it school. Old school, you nailed modern, it. Modern, like, pacing and stuff to it, right? It's like... It does, I, yeah. I mean, Better Call Saul might not. It's <laughs> it's a little more old school even than yeah, Breaking Bad, right. surprisingly. But, like, yeah, it's, I don't know, dad stories is the only way I can think <laughs> to say it. It's like dad bod for television. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, yeah. No, totally. And that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not uh, too, it's not saying it disparagingly at no. all. No, these are two of my favorite shows. Yeah, mine too. But it's just, yeah, it's it's different now. Mm-hmm. People are telling stories in different ways and stories about different people. Yeah. Um, uh, on the yeah. Insider podcast, Bob Odenkirk featured very heavily in the last episode, or the last episode that was actually disgusting, the episodes of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was saying that he didn't think that he would ever get to be involved in something that was the same level as these two shows, and that he was okay with that, but also a little sad about it. Sure, yeah. And I'm thinking just... Write it yourself, Bob. You could write a show that would sell, I'm sure. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, he's, so he's written a lot of stuff. He has. He's, he's stuff written, mostly, he's directed. Yeah. He's got the gift of gab, mm-hmm. even just as a person, not as Saul Goodman. Yeah. But let me tell you this. Yeah, 100% covering The Last of Us. Aaron and I are both big fans of both the games that those are, that show's going to be based on and also Craig Mazin, who... Mm. is just an incredible writer. Mm-hmm. So, That's yeah. exciting. I'm I'm really glad to hear that they're doing something with that. Mm-hmm. I haven't played the games, but I've always been a... I've, I like the idea of the story, Yeah, shall I say. Post-apocalypse. Um, but also, like, with a human touch. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the key. I like a human that's touch. That's what I like in my stories. Characterizations yeah. and mm-hmm. character drama. Yeah, boy. Right, Brett from Brooklyn says, I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure how I felt about the ending of this episode, primarily because of the final act. Now, much of this is the cultural baggage that I have when it comes to ADX Supermax prisons. Mm. Every news story, movie, and prison reality show I've ever seen has made these up to be isolated hellholes where you don't see another human soul for 23 hours a day. And after seeing Marie in this episode and not only being reminded of Hank, but also learning of Steve's wife and three now fatherless children, I felt that Saul deserved such a fate. Instead, we get Jimmy living the most comfortable life he could hope to have after destroying his plea deal. Adulation from all his fellow prisoners, fist bumps in the kitchen, and sloppy security that allows Kim to waltz in unannounced. I have expected him to be doing the guard's taxes before long. (laughs) Nice Shawshank reference there. Uh Uh, This isn't the finale that Jimmy had coming to him, and it soured me on what was otherwise a great episode, if not a great series conclusion. I have one. I have one note on that. Kim didn't just waltz in. She still had her bar license, so she. Well, said, I think that's what he means by lack so she security. She was a lawyer. Okay. They didn't even check her credentials were active. They just like said, "Oh, you're a lawyer. Okay, come on." But it sounds like they did, because she said that her bar, her license was still active. In New no, Mexico. the card doesn't have an expiration date on it. Is what oh. she said. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. So. The card still, still like, kind of proves she's a lawyer. Gotcha. Okay. But if they had checked the actual bar records, um, the bar association, they would know she's not. 
Okay. Anyway, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said in last week's episode, I expected him to be facing a much tougher time in prison too. I thought all the criminals who he had not gotten off would be in there with him now and that he would have trouble from them. But it seems like he's just going to bake bread and have a fine life. Maybe get out early on good behavior. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> No, I mean, not early, early, 80-something years is, mm -hmm. even if you cut that in half, that's still 40 years. Yeah, he's, he's already in his 40s. Yeah. By the time he gets out, yeah. All right, Courage writes in and says, did we ever get why the office went from Francesca-designed fashion office to Saul's CD one? I don't think so. Maybe it was the client peeing in the water feature that started the downward spiral. I think that might, yeah, I think that was why that happened yeah they had to get rid of the water feature after that yeah and once you start getting rid of one nice thing my so my assumption is that every nice thing that was in that office just was got peed on exactly <laughs> where i was gonna say was shitted upon but yeah okay. yeah it got yeah. pissed on and replaced until eventually she was like i just i can't do this anymore i can't get attached to nice chairs yeah. you monsters can have folding chairs yeah what was the what was the turn to like Saul's office because his office is totally different was he just like oh we need a new feel uh yeah I guess so I mean once like him and implanted the idea in his head of the cathedral of justice and yep. they broke up and he went off the deep end so that was probably still rattling around in his brain somewhere yeah he had the he had the office already after mm -hmm. they'd broken up it was yeah he already fast. had the office yeah. but it wasn't surprisingly fast crazy enough yeah yeah oh i see what you're saying it was already the cathedral yeah it was already yeah. decorated like i don't know a lincoln memorial or something to be fair most of that shit was foam so it's not like it took a long time to set up sure <laughs> all right evan from atlanta says not sure what you guys take on the finale will be well you know now but i saw a lot of takes on reddit and twitter that said it was a happy ending. Things like Jimmy finally cleared his conscience or he sacrificed himself for Kim. I took Saul's final admittance to the judge to be a far sadder and even darker moment. It's a narcissistic man, desperate with a capital D for Kim's approval, flailing about switching from Saul to Jimmy in an attempt to just get Kim to look at him and say she approves. First, he could have given all the information to the court without Kim there, but he specifically made her fly down thinking she was in legal trouble just so he, just so she would watch. And the monologue performance by Odenkirk to the judge felt intentionally shallow, like another big slip in Jimmy's speech. Second, would we even have would he have even told the truth if he hadn't found out uh, Kim had first? He was about to fight for ice cream in his deal, for Christ's sake. It's not like there was a grand sweeping character change. It was just a turn on a dime, which makes the following scenes seem even more insincere. Hmm. Lastly, we've seen this exact play before in the season four finale winner. As he was pleading to get reinstated, he decides to improvise his speech, adding guilt and remorse about his relationship with Chuck. The real at the very end of the episode is that he was in fact insincere. And he thinks it's the exact same scenario now. Gotcha. I mean, he does move in patterns. I think that's what the last couple of episodes were trying to show us. Was that he... He gets a little better and then it gets a little worse. So, yeah, I, I would mm -hmm. buy that, that there was an element of performance in this final courtroom scene. But it, 
it brings up the the idea of right things for the wrong reasons. Even if he's sure. doing it for the wrong reason, he's still kind of doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to give Kim an apology of sorts. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not so much an apology. It's more like just proving to her that he's not such a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's more just like... It's for him. It's for him all the way, but... Coming clean. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, for totally. sure. Um, I didn't quite read it that way, but you're not alone also. I saw some yeah. takes that definitely backed it up. Um, we have at least one more here in the email section that we'll get to. Uh, but first, Navar from Montana says, it would seem that in the final interaction with Kimmy and Jim, nope, Jimmy <laughs> and Kim, couldn't couldn't get out of the podcast without doing that once more. Uh, and her walking away, Jimmy was happier and more free than he had ever been as Gene. Jimmy and Kim are more sympathetic than Walt because they knew how bad they fucked up and put themselves in punishment. Incredible finale and will go down as one of the best endings ever. Yeah, yeah I really like that. I like that they went for kind of a a quiet human ending instead of trying to go out with a bang. Yeah. That felt truer to the the beginning of the show. Yeah, the entirety of the show. Yeah. I mean, this is a much much more of a character study than even, you know, Mr. Chips to Scarface. Mm-hmm. Uh this is this is deeper than that because you have a character who you can actually sympathize with. Yeah. Um yeah, a character who you hate to see make mistakes um, because you like you want to like the guy. Yeah, he has that he has that kernel of goodness inside him. Mm-hmm. He's not a, a total shitbird. Yeah, so you're still kind of rooting for him a little bit. Yeah, a lot, a lot more focus on character, uh, less focus on plot. Still, plenty of focus on plot, but mm-hmm. it's secondary. Right, Riley writes in and says, uh, right after finishing the episode, I know one of the biggest criticisms will be that this finale was rather ham-fisted at parts. Examples being, my name is James McGill. Uh, Mike bothering to answer the time machine question felt off. Walter White's character felt played up to an extreme. I don't disagree with that complaint, and it's fair game for people to be taken back by that. As the show was usually so very patient and mature in its writing, what did you guys think? Was it too much? Personally, the universe earned a bit of sappiness for me, and I'm still really happy with the taste the show left in my mouth. My heart absolutely melted throughout the last scene. It was gorgeously directed and shot by Gould and had some of Odenkirk's best stuff this season. I believe the show and finale will stand the test of time and television history on the same level of Breaking Bad. It's funny to me how different... <laughs> the final episodes are between these two shows, and yet uh, I still I still think they're both great. Uh, I'm I'm with you. That is my opinion too. I thought this was well done, maybe a tiny bit, you know, sanguine in some places, but I yeah. felt like at at the very least the relationship between Kim and Jimmy had earned that for me from early on. Gotcha. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I talked about this last week after the finale, but yeah, this is a kind of a perfect ending for me. I think it's way more perfect than I expected it to be based on the episodes led up to it. I was Mm -hmm. a little worried also, like some people who've been writing in that it was kind of dragging its feet and that maybe 
that that betrayed a certain amount of um, unsureness in its storytelling. But I, I think ultimately they knew exactly what they were doing, and they brought it around, even if it you know didn't sit well with me in the moment. But that finale just kind of patched over all those problems. Yeah. All right, Aaron writes in, this is first time emailer, but I had to write in to complain about Kim's wig. <laughs> and I don't think they changed the style of it throughout all of her scenes from previous episodes to the finale, except the last scene, which was a different one entirely. I truly expected better from the Villa gang. They did an excellent <laughs> job with Bob's hair for the whole series, which is why I was so surprised at how bad Kim's wig was. It felt intentional to me. Just like yeah. her, her wardrobe was bad too. It was all bad. Like her entire life was bad and lame. And yeah. Just lame. Yeah, not offensively so. Not like Saul Goodman. <laughs> not like him, <laughs> no. but in a just much more boring pedestrian way. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I I did not notice this until we watched the episode the second time. Um, and I think we might have talked about it last week, but Aaron also pointed out that in the sentencing hearing... Um, does Saul's suit have the Wayfarer ribbon on it? It does. And I love that Petty with a prior was his lawyer. Yes. Uh, I th- I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the, the Wayfarer for people who have seen Breaking Bad. Um, you know, it's the plane. Mm-hmm. I won't say anything else for the people who haven't, although we're spoiling the shit out of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. There's a, there's a thing with the plane and a lot of people were sad about it. So a ribbon, there's like a baby blue ribbon, I think. Uh, yes, I think you're right. And yeah, he was definitely, he was wearing it again, which was interesting. Also, Wayfarer, the same airline that Saul is on mm-hmm. in, or the Gene is on. I to get know. to Albuquerque, yeah, from right. Nebraska. Go to the jail, yeah. yeah. All right, let's get to some current stuff, Ooh. some post-finale stuff. Boy, <laughs> we're about halfway through it. So I guess uh, buckle up, strap in. Uh, we're going to start off with Georgios, who just wrote in and says his vote, Breaking Bad, better than Better Call Saul, good but it's name. close. Sorry, I'm, I'm stuck on his name. It's a good name. Georgios? Yeah. Yeah. Breaking Bad, better than Better Call Saul. So if you're counting at home, if you want to tally this up, be my guest. I've done it for you at the very end, but <laughs> you might get a little head start on it. And BB1. Yeah. All right, Paul Smith writes in, says, the creators of Better Call Saul have so much juice in Hollywood that they are allowed to show smoking as being cool. <laughs> yeah, this is something that died yeah, in fair. what, the 90s? The the late 90s? In this country, at least. Yeah. Sure. Lots of people I mean, still smoke elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they usually don't show that as being cool anymore. But mm-hmm. yeah, they still do. Like I said, dad stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean G says, first off, thank you for your coverage. As I finished the masterpiece of a show, I felt in the end, the entire show was a love story. Jimmy wanting the approval of his brother and his love for Chuck. Jimmy falling in love with the law and later falling in love with Kim. After Kim leaves, he leaves. He falls in love with money and fame and ultimately finding himself through his proverbial time machine and giving it all up for his love of himself. It says him. As the two of them remain worlds apart in those two final, those final two shots, I found myself saying, I want more. 
the show will be missed. Sean G in Omaha, Nebraska. And he says, P.S. The city is not that desolate. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I would never assume that it was. They like to... They like to be dramatic. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Better Call Saul is love story. It's not not a love story. It's not especially a love between story. Jimmy and Kim. That's a huge part of it. That yeah. is like maybe the backbone of it. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. All right. Orla writes in and says, "I'm at a loss as to why nobody feels that there was a toxic codependency relationship between Jimmy and Kim." Here I we mean, go. Sure. The way I see it. Jimmy got caught and had nothing left, no more moves to make, especially when he discovered Kim had grown unconscious and confessed to her part, which was something he threw at her in their parting call to Florida. Why didn't she turn herself in? When she did, she became more powerful. The only thing left for him to do was to draw her back into the mix and prove that she was not a better person than him. He dragged her to court under false pretense because he believed she was now living her own life and had freed herself from the guilt and his influence. He made the grand gestures in court, as many psychological abusers do, to regain her sympathy and remake their connection. At every step of his appearance, he was watching her to see when she would break her facade and reconnect. In the final scenes, she has returned to him, bending the prison rules to use her credentials, and she is once again enthralled. He will not spend his time locked away without support. He knows he has her back on the string. He knows he has her back on the string. Oh, yes. Back on the string, of course. Mm-hmm. Thought she was saying something about her back. Uh, he will not be tortured by loneliness and the belief that he was the only one who created the madness. He can survive knowing he is still the puppet master and manipulator he always was. If he had not got caught, the he would never have reconciled with her. He would have believed they both lived with their responsibility. Once Kim unburdened herself, she would live free in life and spirit. Long-term abuser can never live content knowing that their underling has gone on to never needing them. I'm listening to all this all podcast and there's literally nobody who sees it this way. I'm boggled. I'm not a mad feminist and I've never been a big Kim fan. I thought she was a piece of work really and was just as bad as him for most of it. But in the end, she turned a corner only to be sucked back in by over sympathizing and the love of a game that Jimmy created. It's very sad. Uh, hope you could poke through this point of view and see something of merit. I do. I mean, it's definitely a way to look at it for sure. And yeah, I mean, psychologically speaking, you're you're right on the money. I will yeah. say, a codependent love story is still a love story. <laughs> and <laughs> it might just not be necessarily. <laughs> yeah, and also, one. yeah, probably every other marriage is codependent in some way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's there to be read into. Um, yeah. I'm curious what, you know, Gould and, and the the whole Villa gang and the writers who wrote this thing intended, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always at least a little bit interested in, in authorial intent. intent right. Uh, even though I do prefer to have my own interpretations of it. And mine are pretty charitable because, like I've said all along here, I want to like Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I think there is like a if not a heart of gold, at least a heart of brass somewhere under there. <laughs> There's sure. a heart of a less precious metal. Yeah. And it's worth noting too, that even if, you know, a percentage of the inmates like you in prison, prison is still prison. It still sucks. Sure. So it's not like he's getting off great at the end here. 
He's yeah. going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, so. but he's going to turn that prison bakery into a Cinnabon. He's going to be <laughs> making Cinnabons. Yeah, I mean, he would do that wherever he is. He's just, he's very charismatic. True. Yeah, so. he makes his own destiny, pretty much. Yeah. But no, it's a completely valid point of view. Mm-hmm. All right, George L. writes in, says, Father George here did some t-shirt mm-hmm. work for you guys a while back. Yes, you did. And I still have those t-shirts. Uh, so I was just listening to your coverage of the finale and thought you missed an important scam. There were actually two scams in this episode. The second one is that to get into the prison to see Jimmy, Kim uses her expired New Mexico bar card. It's a minor scam, but I couldn't imagine the Kim from Florida we meet at the beginning of episode 12 would try it. Yep, I think that shows that the old Kim is somewhat back. You, you buy any of that? Like she's going to do a little scam in herself. I mean, she does. It's true. Yeah. I, uh, um, as I think I made it pretty clear earlier on in this episode, I guess I didn't realize that that was a scam. I just kind of oh, right. took her at her word that her license was still active. Gotcha. But yeah, yeah sure. I don't know that she's going to be slipping, though. I think the, the death of her mentor and former boss mm-hmm. right in front of her rattled her sufficiently. Yeah. And he says, you know, somewhat back, not all the way back. Yeah, at the very so. least, like, she, there's a spark of life back in her. Yes. And some of that is lying to get to where she wants to be physically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he continues, the sweat rolling down the prisoner on the bus's head is because he's nervous. Saul seemed to give him an inquisitive look because this big, beefy dude who did God knows what to end up in Supermax is losing it. And Saul is cool as a cucumber and accepting his fate. Saul has cleared his conscience and has nothing to lose until the end of his days. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. It's a, it's a cool theory. Uh-oh. I'm looking at the rest of this email. George says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad. Hmm. Explain yourself. For what reasons? Does he I go mean, into it? No, no. and that wasn't a requirement. You didn't have to explain why, necessarily. That's fair. That's that's a vote for Better Call Saul. BCS1. BB1, BCS1. He finishes up. Thanks for a great podcast. Thanks to Alexis for stepping in. Is there going to be a segment of the wrap-up to point and laugh at Aaron for rage quitting the second best show on TV? <laughs> he told us this weekend that he was going to go back and watch the rest of Better Call Saul. Yeah. And I put my finger in his face and I said, you bastard. <laughs> it's because I recommended it. After seeing the whole thing, I'm like, yeah, I think you would like it as a binge. It's better as a binge for sure yeah. than as a weekly thing. All right, let's move over to Alan who says, was it reasonable for the government to quit cave so quickly on Saul? The people in prison got stabbed. Do we have evidence that was on Walt's call? Do we have evidence Jimmy was in danger? Francesca wouldn't be a good witness for him. Saul's an unreliable narrator telling a story. I guess it just takes one juror, but around here, they throw the book at crooked attorneys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an open question. Mm-hmm. You know, would they would they have got it? And I think that's, you know, the con man plays on small bits of doubt. Yep. And that is what he planted there, just a tiny seed of doubt in the prosecutor's heads that they could get the conviction they're looking for. Yeah, that's always been his thing. He plays on greed and fear. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. All right, Andrew says, great finale, and I really enjoyed your coverage. Thanks. Thank you. 
Over the years of this show's run, there has been a vigorous debate on the fuck Chuck topic. Hashtag fuck Chuck. At <laughs> uh, one point in time, seasons two to four, I was pretty firmly on team. Hashtag fuck Chuck. But I'm beginning to come around to a certain extent. Yes, Chuck wrote a somewhat self-fulfilling prophecy regarding Jimmy's misdeeds with his law license. Mm-hmm. With his brother's approval and acceptance, it's very possibly or very possible he could have become very successful in this role. He seemed to do his best, least shady work when he was striving for Chuck's approval as an attorney. Once betrayed and set in opposition to Chuck, Slippin' Jimmy and a nascent Saul Goodman emerged. Ultimately, Chuck isn't a monster. He's more like Walter and the Big Lebowski. As the dude said, you're not wrong, you're just an asshole. Yeah. Yep, I would agree with that. Agree. Which is why I'm not totally on team fuck Chuck. Yeah, I'm not on. I don't know that I... I may have said... I may have said the words fuck Chuck a few times (laughs) uh, earlier on, but, you know, ultimately... Everybody has their own shit that they're dealing with. Yeah. He was obviously uh, mentally ill. So. Also, the words are just fun to say. Yeah, they rhyme. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Fuck Chuck. It's right there. It's a great hashtag. <laughs> All right. Jessica from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, city I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice in the final courtroom scene where Jimmy was talking about Chuck, they made a point to focus in on the exit sign? We did notice that, and our dumbasses didn't say anything about it on the podcast. You I even totally said forgot. to me right after you were like, oh, shit, we didn't talk about the exit sign. <laughs> yep. But I was also thinking, man, it's getting late, and I need to edit this <laughs> podcast because people are waiting. <laughs> what would they want more, a podcast like 20 minutes earlier or us talking about the exit sign? Sure. And here we are talking about the exit sign. Uh, she continues, the buzzing of the electricity through the sign could be heard and was very obviously intentional. What a cool way to tie things into the previous courtroom scene with Jimmy and Chuck and Chuck's problem that caused so much tension between the two of them. This is one of the many small details that the writers are careful to always include, which helped to reinforce why the show is so genius. Yeah. Oh, here's a novel approach. As far as which show is better, I refuse to choose. <laughs> Well, as Ooh. Rush says, mm, if you refuse to know. choose, you still have made a choice. You still I, made a choice, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Do we get to choose for her? <laughs> that, somebody's got to make a choice. No, she refuses to choose. They are both in perfection in their own way. Yeah. And unless the creators choose to revisit this universe, there will never be anything else like it on TV. Thanks for the recaps. No problem. So that's a vote for I can't choose. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the third. What's the third column? The gray column. Sure. Gray one, BCS one, BB one. All right, Jeremy from Dallas says, "Happy next birthday to Alexis with a red lobster dinner." <laughs> followed. I refuse. By a whole lot of yep, yep, yep. Hmm. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> that might be happening tonight too. But seriously, enjoy this finale, and also haven't listened to the Insider podcast this season. Not sure if this was mentioned, but I thought the only color in the gene sequences for the whole series is the flame. Oh, it's the flame, not the cigarette. Mm, mm, mm. Between Jim and Kimmy. Gotcha. Jimmy and Kim, you bastard. <laughs> uh, showing that despite how gray their lives have become since leaving Albuquerque, this connection between them lights brings light into their life. Yes, I like it. All right, Miles chimes in with the burning question we all want answered. What happened to Jeffy? Oh, uh, what did happen to Jeffy? Uh, he got bailed out, right? Mm, no, I mean, his mom said, I'm not bailing him out. Let him stew. 
Oh, well, okay, fine. Right? Then I guess he was in jail for like six months or whatever. However long. Wait, what did he even do? He he hit a car. That's it, right? Yeah, he hit a car and they arrested him on suspicion of breaking into the guy's house. Yeah, did did Gene ever admit to that? That we know of? No. Maybe I don't remember the list of charges against him. Yeah. Because I assume they would have tacked on <laughs> breaking and entering. And, right. It seems kind of lame next to all the right. other shit, but sure. Yeah. I don't know. I assume Jeffy's going to rot in prison until he dies. <laughs> People will forget he's in a cell, not feed him, not give him water, and he'll be dead within four or five days. I don't think so. I think he's the kind <laughs> who will. he's the kind who will pester the guards. Until something really? happens, he I will like scream at Jeff the top of his lungs. The guards. This Jeff, the original Jeff, I don't think would have even been caught. I don't think he would have driven yeah. the cab in such a crazy way. But You're this right. Jeff, he's gonna scream. He's a screamer. <laughs> he's a screamer. That's my. All right. Uh, what's the word? Verdict. That sounds good. All right. Ryan writes in and says, "I'll ask it. How does Saul make any money that doesn't come from Walter White?" If he takes on Splooge as a client, what's the payout if he gets him off? He takes on an infinite amount of low-level criminals, and for what? How is there any payoff? I'll take a second to acknowledge the wordplay of getting him off and Splooge. Splooge, yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that. Well done. Uh, I understand the idea of ambulance chasing, and I also understand the idea of being a friend of various drug kingpins, but Saul Goodman operates in a strange in-between space was wondering if there would be a reveal that he does it as an homage to Kim, taking on dif- disenfranchised clients with no profit motive while he lives off his sandpiper fortune. But nope, he's out there spending hours on clients that would yield a few bucks here and there. I mean, maybe he just doesn't doesn't care to make that. Oh, he cares to make money. He's all about making money. I don't know. Maybe he sees this as like a loss leader. His law practice is the thing he does to get close to criminals. Mm-hmm and close to those in the underworld and the people with actual money and and influence. And there's nothing to say that he wasn't still doing stuff for the cartel. I mean... Oh, sure. Yeah. And that alone is going to probably sustain your finances for a while. I mean, he was the vet at that point, right? Like, the yeah. vet was making good side money mm-hmm. just connecting Mike to people who need a job done, right? Yep. So I assume Saul is doing the same... I honestly think he does use maybe the law practice as, like I said, a loss leader to just stay connected to the underworld. Mm -hmm. I think you're right about that. But I don't really know. It's a fair question to ask. Aaron writes in and says, Jim and Alexis and everyone at Bald Move, thank you so much for your ongoing coverage of Better Call Saul. It has been quite the ride. I'm glad your podcast, uh, I had your podcast to share the journey, especially since the prequel or sequel is clearly the superior show. Oh, man. Oh, BB2. That's BCS1. a vote. Great one. For Better Call Saul. Yep. I wanted to share a stray observation I had regarding the prison transport scene. I believe the drop of sweat close up is intended to show fear. Mm-hmm. Jimmy focuses in on it, thinking that if this big hulk of a guy in front of him is scared, what's in store for a guy like Jimmy? That's when they initially start calling out his celebrity. He tries to shush them. But once they start <laughs> chanting Better Call Saul, he starts to lean in and realizes he can modify his particular set of skills to fit this new environment. Another location, just another con for slipping Jimmy. He knows if he plays this right, he's going to be okay. Yeah. That's my take on the scene anyway. Yeah, he can definitely leverage his celebrity into 
having at least a slightly easier time. It's not to say that everyone in that prison in, what, fucking Colorado, not Albuquerque, yeah. is going to know who he is. So True. it's not going to be all smooth sailing for him, but yeah, he, he will have a cadre at least. Yep. He's going to have uh, his own gang, the BCS gang. BCS gang. Yep. <laughs> uh, Aaron goes on to say, best of luck on the new podcast. Love the idea. I recently got acquainted. No, sorry. Reacquainted with Brendan Fraser watching the show. Trust came out mm. a few years ago. His take on the cowboy fixer role. He plays is fantastic, but airheads is his best movie <laughs> bar none. And the movie shares a major connection to better call Saul. It sure does. I haven't seen airheads. So uh, I'm excited to get to that. I, I saw Airheads for the first time when I was like 14, maybe. Ooh, I don't good know. Age. Good age from what yeah. I hear. Great age for that movie. Yeah. Let me tell you. Anyways, I appreciate all you do and ask if anyone asks who is greater, <laughs> Lemmy or God, just remember it's a trick question. You'll get that eventually. Okay. This, this sounds like a reference. Yeah. All right. James writes in and says, Jimmy and Kim's future. I could totally see Jimmy being a friend to the other prisoners. He would leverage his ability to find creative solutions to keeping himself and his openings safe from the other inmates. His openings. Hmm. Yeah. I would even watch a movie or four. No. I was thinking a movie or four, but it's a movie or four episode series about him getting someone released. Or maybe a Shawshank type situation where he's helping the warden run scams only to punish the warden in the end. I think he will end up... uh advising fellow inmates whether he wants to or not it's just going to happen anytime he sees somebody being like actively stupid he always steps in sure that's who he is and they're gonna be like a line of people coming to him like oh man i didn't do it i got a bad rap you gotta like (laughs) you gotta help me find the loophole man (laughs) legal advice in prison nice Uh perfect see i wonder what the library is like probably not great probably not great at that prison yeah anyways kim would be constantly trying to get jimmy's sentence reduced but him always messing it up somehow i'm gonna (laughs) miss the breaking bad better call us all universe i'm with you on that one i'm gonna miss it too uh this says sham from nebraska so i'm gonna say sham and if you're sean i apologize but also you put a typo in your own name so you get what well, you get. I, uh, I might have typed it wrong. Did you type it? You didn't just copy paste? I copy and paste their message and I type their names. Oh. So it's probably Sean because I've never heard of a Sham, but it could be, it could be Sham. Or a Sam or the world's big and full of wonders. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, this person from Nebraska <laughs> says, do you think that if Kim had not shown up to the court hearing, Saul would have still come clean? Personally, I think that he would have taken the plea deal or maybe even tried to reduce his sentence even more. I'm very content with how the series ended, but could you imagine how fun and enjoyable a season or two of Saul in prison would be? They could introduce so many new characters. Jimmy could even run benevolent scams if there is such a thing. Thanks for all your recaps and opinions throughout the series. That's a good question. If Kim doesn't show up, yeah, he's got no reason to blow up his own plea deal. Yeah, I I am sad to say... I think maybe you're right. I think maybe he doesn't actually blow yeah, up his plea he? deal. He'd yeah. be crazy too. But I'm also with you in that, yeah, I would totally watch that. He's such a great character. You could make a show just of him in prison again. Sure. Uh, maybe not even willingly handing out legal advice to people. Mm-hmm. 
protecting his openings, as a previous emailer said. Oh, I don't know about that part, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Mike from England says, Hi, guys. Thanks England. for keeping me company during the Better Call Saul TV show. I became obsessed with each week with how you reviewed the show, so thanks for that. I prefer Better Call Saul to the original show. Damn it! It's another... I think you can tell which way I'm leaning. BCS 3? Another BCS vote. Who knows? Those keeping track at home do know. Uh, my rusty nail's almost gone, so... Mine too. <laughs> my tracking abilities are diminished somewhat. Uh, Mike continues, I found Walter White to be unbearable to watch in Breaking Bad, but Kim and Jimmy were always very fun to watch and root for. I did not enjoy the last episode of Better Call Saul, and yet you voted for it. And Have you lost your mind, Mike? <laughs> I didn't see the need for Jimmy to sell himself down the river. There was just no need for it. He could have served his seven years and come out and become a better person and physically prove to Kim that you were a good person deep down. Mm -hmm. I still feel that Kim loves him and he could have earned a place mm -hmm. into Kim's life again. Now he's going to be watching his back for the next 80 plus years. I hope they do a Better Call Saul movie and Jimmy escapes and he drives off into the sunset <laughs> with Kim. Boy, he escapes. What's your feeling on that? Do you think it was unnecessary for him to do this? Could he have waited seven years of Kim still hating him and then got out and proved himself. I suppose he could have, but it seems like he didn't want to. Also, I don't know what he could have done after getting out that would have proved himself better than what he did in this courtroom scene. It's true. And I mean, crucially that, that takes away his penance, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's getting off, essentially scot-free like seven years for the stuff that he's done is a joke like the judge yeah. says yeah um so it would mean that he hasn't accepted any consequences whatsoever mm -hmm. so regardless of whether he could prove to kim that he was deep down a good person he would have a hard time proving it to me as an audience member yeah me too all right david h says i'm gonna miss you guys as much of the show as much as the show mm. wow I wanted to sh share two things. Maybe it was because it was in black and white, but that final scene vibes like Bogey and Bacall in the final scene of Casablanca. Shamefully, I've not seen Casablanca. Nor have I. Sorry. That's one of those dad stories. <laughs> <laughs> the other one... Romantic dad stories. <laughs> the other one is the Easter egg courtroom exit sign in the foreground when Jimmy mentions his brother... Evokes the same shot when Jimmy takes his brother down in court and the exit yep. sign is the only light they can't turn off. Cool stuff. Anyways, thanks for sticking with the coverage till the bittersweet end. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Sticking with us. Uh, this person had an email address as a name and I'm going to call him MM to preserve their anonymity. M -m 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 anonymity. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> And then says, love the podcast. Just wanted to give my interpretation of a couple of moments. One, when Mike was talking about his time machine moment and said he would then go forward, I think he meant into the future from where he was to check on his daughter-in-law and granddaughter Kaylee. Mm. That makes sense. Maybe. I can't remember the exact line there, which could be right. Uh, number two, I think that Jimmy needed Bill Oakley because Bill had been in Albuquerque in the legal scene for the last six years and would have some inside scoop as he does when he passes notes to Jimmy about how that judge always follows sentencing guidelines and he also knows about Kim's affidavit. That could be interesting if, like, you know, Bill 
just has some current knowledge on the Albuquerque legal scene. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And Gene doesn't because he's been out of it. Uh, three, you guys didn't go there, but I've heard speculation about how Kim may return to practicing law. As a lawyer, I can say that would never happen. Any state bar would never allow it with that affidavit on the record. She violated multiple ethics codes, uh, code rules, and she did it against a fellow member of the bar. No way she gets back to practicing law again. All right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like lawyers take slights against each other pretty seriously. That um, makes sense. Yeah. All right. KT says, which is better, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? <laughs> That's a tough question. Both are outstanding, but I'm going to have to go with Breaking Bad for no. two reasons. Crawl Space and Ozymandias. Hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, on a side note, tell Alexis that Miracle Whip is superior over bland mayonnaise. <laughs> Thank you for all the great podcasts. Can't wait to listen to what's in store for the future. Your opinions are terrible. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm of kidding. Of course. Uh, Vernaldi writes in, says, I think both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are amazing in their own way, and they both deserve high praise. Uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream doesn't deserve high praise, but if you offered it to me as a kind gesture, Jim, I would eat it. Cinnabon rolls deserve high praise, though not Miracle Whip mayonnaise and tuna sandwiches. Great job podcasting, Jim and Alexis. Better cast Saul was amazing, too. Thank I you. personally enjoyed Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad. I think it's a vote for Better Call Saul. It is. Because it was a richly crafted interpersonal drama with deeply complex characters and relationship dynamics that had many interesting interpretations, especially with how beautifully written Kim and Jimmy's relationship was. It's funny that due to Walt being human garbage and a psychopath <laughs> and Jesse losing two girlfriends to psychopaths, Jimmy or Saul is the one that gets the girl. So at least he has that over Walt and Jesse. Also, Jimmy's alive. Walt can't claim that. True. The Jimmy and Chuck storyline had a well-written complexity to the relationship that was interesting. The cartel stuff was amazing and had more emotional depth than I would have predicted, particularly from Nacho's character. Anyway, here's my joking response to some people who are angry Better Call Saul gets more praise than Breaking Bad and how they act like Chuck when Better Call Saul gets excessive praise they think it doesn't deserve. <laughs> I am not crazy. I know Better Call Saul likes to manipulate people by making references to Breaking Bad and focusing on a cartel storyline that has an outcome that's predetermined, but I couldn't prove it. He got those idiots to, at AMC to lie for him, and it's not the <laughs> only problem. You think it's a coincidence that Vince Gilligan would just happen to arrange... The episode titles for season two to say Fring's back. Mm -hmm. Whether a throwaway line uses a joke on Breaking Bad would be hyped up as an epic conclusion to this predictable cartel storyline. Or news just happened to leak saying Walt and Jesse would cameo in the final season of Better Call Saul just to generate publicity and cheap poor create cheap, poorly written fan service. <laughs> you think this chicanery is bad? Vince Gilligan made the El Camino just to hype up Better Call Saul on the internet. And I brought Better Call Saul into my list of favorite 2022 TV shows. What was I thinking? Better Call Saul will never change. It'll never change. It's always the same with this show. Ever since the pilot aired, Vince Gilligan can't keep his hands out of the Breaking Bad reference jar. Not our precious Vince Gilligan. Better Call Saul proves he's a genius. It's perfectly constructed. Now Better Call Saul gets to be considered a top five all-time show. What a sick joke. I have to stop him. I have to... <laughs> Oh, um, I was just saying people don't have to get carried away praising Better Call Saul. That's all. Uh, 
Also, final question. What's the worst Better Call Saul fan theory in the history of the show? I think it was that Kim is Wendy. Yeah. He, he agrees here. Uh, which, yes. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Uh, all right. Melanie says, I want to get this in before the finale tomorrow in case you don't do a full wrap-up cast. Uh, we did. <laughs> Unexpectedly. The finale could make, could make my take on Jimmy and Saul at this moment totally moot and leave me feeling like the mark of Jimmy McGill's greatest con, but I want to explain why I still love Jimmy McGill. Unlike Walt, who I knew was a piece of shit the second he refused to take the job at Grey Matter in favor of cooking meth, I think there were always two sides of Jimmy, but he was never evil. I view him as a tragic hero in an almost Shakespearean way, his tragic flaw being a desperate need for approval and love. Chuck wasn't necessarily right about Jimmy, but he created a self-fulfilling prophecy by steadfastly refusing to acknowledge him as worthy of anything other than working in the mailroom. When we meet Jimmy in season one, he's waking up at the ass crack of dawn every day so that he can bring Chuck everything he wants and needs. He's busting his ass doing PD work, trying to build his own practice. We meet Slippin' Jimmy, but nothing about the plan to woo the Kettleman's is evil. The billboard ploy is over the top, but not illegal or super shady. We see him do good things, too. Jimmy calls the Kettleman's to warn them that they may be in danger after Nacho comes to his office. He climbed into a dumpster to get the shredded Sandpiper documents and is actually nice to his elderly clients. He fucking sews a Mylar lining into Chuck's suit jacket so he can go to HHM. Saul Goodman wouldn't do any of that. The moment he confronts Chuck about the cell phone and knowing it was him and Pimento and Chuck comes clean is so powerful. Chuck's willing to put a freaking cell phone against his face just to make sure Howard refuses to hire him after he brings him uh, brings the firm a giant class action lawsuit. Chuck literally tells him he was proud of him when he straightened out and got a job in the mailroom, but the fact that he put himself through law school and passed the bar all on his own is not something to be proud of him for. He is not worthy. Jimmy is not allowed to be Chuck's peer. Chuck's meltdown and chicanery demonstrated the long-lasting and deeply rooted resentment Chuck had for Jimmy since his childhood. There was nothing Jimmy could do to make Chuck think he wasn't—he was worthy of actual respect. If Chuck had given him a chance after Sandpiper, we may not have Saul. Jimmy did get progressively more slippery after this, but there are still so many times that he does the right thing, even if it isn't in his best interest. Do you think Saul Goodman would go into the coffee shop after Chuck cracks his head? Do you think he confesses to having altered the documents because he wants Chuck to feel better and not quit the law? Ruining Irene's friendship was definitely one of the worst things Jimmy did as Jimmy, but when he saw the refusal to forgive her, he sacrificed setting the Sandpiper case, uh, settling the Sandpiper case, and staged that conversation with Aaron so an old lady could have her friends back. He does bad things, but he never crosses that line into evil or completely callous. But once he... he permanently loses Chuck and Kim leaves him. The Jimmy McGill we knew has to die because he cannot go on without their love. Instead of literally dying like most tragic heroes, Saul is born and Jimmy McGill has to be dead and buried under that walking defense mechanism of a personality. The last thing I want to point out is I don't actually think Saul is as bad as you remember. I recently did a Breaking Bad rewatch and he's a major douche, but there are (laughs) moments that you can see a human being shine through. It's not great that he suggests killing Badger, But he's talking to people who just kidnapped him, took him to the desert, and forced him to his knees next to an open grave. Why the hell wouldn't he assume they'd be willing to kill Badger? He's genuinely pissed that Walt puts Brock in the hospital and tries to end the relationship there. And he isn't enthusiastic in suggesting that they think about sending Hank on a trip to Belize. And I read a little sadness in his face when he says, you know uh, where Mike went to. 
I guess I'll have to leave my final judgment on Jimmy Saul Jean for Monday. But right now, I refuse to believe that Chuck, Chuck was right and Jimmy would always end up the way he did. Jimmy McGill had a good heart and he just couldn't deal with how bad it felt to have it broken. All right. That's a treatise. Treatise in favor of Jimmy. Treatise. Yeah. Um, I, I agree on all points. I think he needed therapy. I think therapy would have helped him a lot. Although, it yeah. would have, he would have had to have a really good therapist because... He's definitely the kind of person who could con his therapist into thinking oh, that he yeah. was better than he was. <laughs> You'd have to have a very smart and very patient therapist. Yeah. Someone who could see through bullshit a little bit better. Someone who didn't want anything. And honestly, him and Chuck would have to go to couples therapy or something. I mean, <laughs> they're just like... And that relationship they're, they're, was fucked. Yeah, the way it's so twisted up and and loops back in on itself, it's horrible. Untangling that would have been a mess. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Jesse, who says, Hi, Jim and Alexis. I'm the odd man out that I haven't seen or heard anyone with similar views to mine on the end of the Vertical Saul finale. I was on board until the confession scene seemed really out of character and not earned. In the previous episode, Jimmy was literally physically intimidating a little old lady, and now he's ready to come clean just to see Kim one more time. What the actual fuck? His initial seven and a half year plea deal seemed like a fair amount of punishment to me, having to do some time, but also having the light at the end of the tunnel. Now he's going to die in prison, barring some miracle. Also, why didn't he confess to any of his escapades up in Omaha? Just adds to it seeming inauthentic to me. And what about Jeffy? It didn't ru <laughs> ruin the show overall, but definitely left me with a sour feeling about the finale. Oh, well, thank you for both for covering the show. Uh, yes. Uh, you are not alone, as I said. Some people just did not feel like this was the end that Saul deserved. Uh, and I can understand that. Yeah, it's a it's a fair criticism from mm -hmm. everyone who is saying it. All right, let's go to Edward, who says, honestly, it was a good show, but to even ask the question of which is better, better call Saul or this, or better Breaking Bad or this, Makes me think you've been hitting the Better Call Saul Kool-Aid too hard. Better Call Saul was a fine, well-acted show, but Breaking Bad is one of the all-time greats. Oh, sounds like a vote for Breaking Bad. It does sound like a vote for Breaking Bad. They're not in the same league. Better Call Saul is uh, like a very good junior varsity team to Breaking Bad's championship-winning varsity squad. Anyone who feels differently needs to be forced to rewatch Breaking Bad <laughs> from beginning to end. That's he would feels differently. Yeah, maybe. Just prefers different things in their shows. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, different strokes for different folks, I believe is the saying. Mm -hmm. uh, Lando says, I've been procrastinating for years about making a Brendan Fraser retrospective podcast. <laughs> Damn you, bald move. Phrasing the bar dies today. Phrasing the bar is a pretty good name. That is a good one. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's no Brent Dan done that, <laughs> but it's pretty good. I feel like there needs to be some kind of like crossover something. You do your podcast, we'll do ours, and we'll cross over at some point. Hmm. Peter writes in, just to cast his vote, better call Saul better than Breaking Bad. All right. Joe writes in, to cast a vote, better call Saul was great, but Breaking Bad was damn near perfect. That's a vote for Breaking Bad. Sounds like it. Scott in Miami writes in with a lot more. 
the delicious condiment Miracle Whip was introduced by Kraft at the Chicago World's Fair in 1933. Did you know this? Know what? The World's Fair. The Miracle famous- Whip history? <laughs> no, I didn't. Sorry. How could Fuck you me, not? I guess. <laughs> Fair. I, I, I say that with that inflection to say that I didn't know this either. This shocked me. The Chicago's World Fair was like Chicago World's Fair was like the event that was supposed to set the tone for the future. Mm-hmm. It was like the fucking Jetsons come to life mm-hmm. and Miracle Whip was introduced there. So yeah. it had to be good. I don't know. It says, um, uh, Scott continues, America needed a less expensive alternative to mayonnaise as the Great Depression was in full force and every dollar mattered. It was a mixture of mayo and salad dressing containing fewer, fewer expensive eggs and adding corn syrup and other spices blended in a patented emulsifying machine. Uh, and the guy, Charles Chapman, who invented it, referred to it back then uh, as Miracle Whip. The name stuck. So yeah, it's it's a primarily Midwestern 30s and 40s kids thing. Um, the thing got handed down over and over, all the way to me. Yeah, makes sense. I, I mean, my my grandparents always had both in the fridge, so it's not like I wasn't partially raised with it. There's also some defense of Florida weather that I just won't hear. <laughs> what I, I won't, is it? I won't platform. Are you Sorry. sure? I'm curious. <laughs> Uh, trying to say the winter's fine. Yeah. I mean, it is fine. It's, it's kind of like, it's like fall here. Like the, the chilly sure. part of fall. Anyway, just like Jimmy in the <laughs> finale. I feel relieved having gotten all that off my chest. Thanks for a fun and thoughtful podcast. Here we go. All time best dramas. He does a list of five. Mm. Number one, Breaking Bad. I mm. believe that's a vote for Breaking Bad. It is. Number two, The Sopranos. Number three, Better Call Saul. Number four, The Americans. And number five, Justified. Hmm. Nice. I thought Mad Men would be in there somewhere because Mad Men was kicking uh, Breaking Bad's ass when they were both airing initially. Yeah. Like, at least in the first couple of seasons, no one gave a shit about Breaking Bad. Or fewer people gave a shit about Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, Breaking Bad was one of those shows that just grew as it went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some dude named Aaron writes in <laughs> and says... Oh my God, there is Miracle Whip slander on Better Class Saul. <laughs> First time I've regretted bowing out of the podcast. <laughs> you stay in your lane, Aaron. We this is my have... house. This is my house. <laughs> we could have had 100% agreement on Miracle Whip. Imagine the discussion. Mother, listen, if you want to come on air and do a white trash off, I will. <laughs> I will do that with you. All right, Nate says, first off, what a finale. You know something is good and hits home when you haven't been able to stop thinking about it all week. Got literally everything I could have hoped for. I'm comfortable with where all the characters left, and that's a tall task considering the emotional connections this show gets you to feel for all of them. When it comes to which show is better, it's really, really tough. Better Call Saul could not have existed without Breaking Bad. The show was so stylistically different, and I'm not sure it would have survived in the Netflix binge watch era of Breaking Bad, or if Breaking Bad hadn't already existed. However, even though I don't think Better Call Saul would have made it if it weren't for the success of Breaking Bad before it, I feel like Better Call Saul is the overall, is the better overall show for a few reasons. Characters are much more real and complex. 
Better Call Saul spends so much time to develop their characters in a way that Breaking Bad did not. It's especially true of the supporting characters. People like Nacho, Mike, Gus, Howard, Chuck are so much more complex than the supporting characters in Breaking Bad, such as Hank, Steve, and even Skyler. Mm-hmm. And it spends a lot of time on Hank. But Gomez, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Don't get much of him. Uh, it somehow finds a way to be frantically gripping without relying on the fireworks and nonstop action. Look no further than the finales of these two shows. Better... I don't even know where I was going with that. Breaking Bad ends with Walt killing all the Nazis with a revolving machine gun. Better Call Saul ends with Jimmy being honest about his crimes and past in a courtroom and baking in a prison. However, I felt the same amount of suspense and excitement during the Better Call Saul finale as I did Breaking Bad, and it was all from dialogue and character development. Uh, number three, Better Call Saul achieved, achieved the impossible. Prequels never succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not only did Better Call Saul succeed, succeed, but it added to the story of Better of Breaking Bad. He's using abbreviations for all these, so I have to ah, gotcha. real-time interpret. <laughs> uh, it's impossible to watch Breaking Bad the same way ever again. Better Call Saul somehow found a way to take the comedic relief character of Breaking Bad and morph him into the most complex character of the whole thing, and arguably the main character of the Breaking Bad universe. Honestly, remarkable. In the end, though, what would Gilligan and Gould have accomplished with, or what they have accomplished with Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and El Camino is simply amazing and is something I don't think will ever happen again. Sticking the landing is tough, as we've all seen from Game of Thrones, but they did it with all three of these projects. The Breaking Bad universe is the greatest universe in the history of television. Damn. Strong words. I'm trying to think of a... I mean, Star Trek. Star Trek's pretty freaking good. I love Star Trek. That is a good universe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move over to Reginald here. It says, as far as the episode goes, it tied things up nicely. Gave the majority of fans what they wanted. Final scenes with Mike, Walt, and Chuck. Saul paying for his crimes but not dying and a reconciliation of sorts between Jimmy and Kim. But I have to admit, I'm a bit of a softy. The character has been a part, this character has been a part of my consciousness for 14 years or so and I kind of didn't want it to end. I almost didn't want to watch the last episode. <laughs> you and me both. I have this thing where I get to the end of shows and I'm like, man, I'm enjoying this so much. I don't want it to end and I stop watching it. Because I think... I want to save this. I want to savor it for the perfect time. And by the time I get around to it, I have completely forgotten everything that happened in the show. (laughs) I have to do an entire rewatch and it's pointless and stupid. So my advice to you is just go watch it. Rip off the bandaid. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, I mean, then you have headspace to go find something else that you love, right? The world is big and full of pretty amazing things. Yeah. Oh, and then, here we go. Anyway, I did watch the finale and I'm glad I did. <laughs> Podcast was great. Thanks for letting me be a small part of it and I look forward to hearing and seeing more of your work in the future. Well, thank you. Thanks. Uh, Andrew in Plano, Texas says, hey guys, love the pod. I'm curious if you thought it was weird that Walt Jr. and Skyler were not in the courtroom supporting Marie at the end. Since Walt is dead, this was Marie's only real chance at justice for anyone involved in the events leading to Hank's death. Walt Jr. adored Hank, and you would think he would be there unless the trial was at breakfast time <laughs> where he would obviously be elsewhere occupied. Just want to know your thoughts. Yeah, that's a good question. I imagine it's a lot of like casting and availability and mm-hmm. trying to get that many people available at the same time in Hollywood can be tough. Yeah, especially post-pandemic or mm-hmm. mid-pandemic. 
Yeah. So it's probably a concern of, of scheduling. Yeah. I know they had like Walt and Jesse were huge time crunches. They had them for mm-hmm. like a day or two. Um, it, it, the, yeah, they didn't have them for very long at all. It's like, what days can you do this? Well, I can do this this day on this week and that's it. Okay, book it. Right. Uh, Alex writes in, says, for me, it's still Breaking Bad. Vote for Breaking Bad. A more emotional and powerful ride that affected me more than any other show. The ending still bothers me for giving Walt everything he wanted, and my headcanon is that it was all a fever dream while he's being arrested at the end of Granite State. (laughs) Better Call Saul is more consistently excellent, but much subtler. Kim was incredible. The ending was perfect. I wonder if it would be more powerful if you watch it before Breaking Bad and don't already have some sense of where many of the characters are going. Uh, yes, I, I think, hmm. I think early going, that might be true, but at the end here, like you kind of need to have seen Breaking Bad. Yeah. You need to have that kind of emotional context Mm -hmm. to really appreciate this final scenes. Oh, did I, I don't think I mentioned this. I was listening to the insider podcast. Apparently the scene with Michael McKeon, uh, was not originally planned like they they filmed the whole episode and then they were like something is still missing Hmm. and they brought him in to do that scene nice so good on them because i i think yeah it would have felt like something was missing without that little scene yeah i talked about how much i felt that scene added Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's like super important i mean these these regrets like how can you talk about regrets and not have Jimmy and not have Chuck not have there. Chuck, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, JW writes in, says, first, can I just say that Alexis is the bomb? And I'm so <laughs> psyched that you're going to be doing more podcasting and that you're giving me an excuse to rewatch The Mummy. <laughs> you're I'm, welcome. I'm not going to vote on which show is better overall. Oh, that's can't choose because they're both amazing. But I think Saul has better B-plots and minor characters than Breaking Bad. I mean, give me Kim over Skyler any day and Nacho over Tuco and Howard over Hank and Mike's backstory in BCS era dynamic with Gus. God damn. Also, I know you're already rolling in finale-related feedback, but two quick thoughts I wanted to shout out in case they haven't already come up. Uh, It's kind of narratively perfect that Saul's ultimate undoing is an elderly woman since this was (laughs) his primary clientele when he was making an attempt to go straight. Mm -hmm. I like to think that he had some genuine affection for Marion and the way things ended between them is on his long list of surfacing regrets. And number two, it's interesting that since Breaking Bad told us so much about characters through the colors they wear, the Ville gang chose to keep all the Gene Timeline stuff in black and white. Do you think Marie was wearing purple in her Better Call Saul cameo? Of course. On the Insider podcast, uh, they speculated that no, she was probably past that point in her life because she had been shaken up so hard. What? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, your favorite color doesn't change just because your husband dies. But Right? Hmm. I think she's got just a room lined with purple geodes. Perfect. Minerals, not rocks. <laughs> uh, Rob in San Jose writes in and says, A great show and podcast throughout. Now that it's officially over, I can't believe I didn't know the whole time that Better Call Saul theme song is an actual song by Little Barry. Little Barry? Mm, 
hard to tell with lyrics the guitar riff was always excellent but now hearing the whole song i think it's pretty good and one line even mentions stepping off the grid so naturally i thought of saul becoming the gene character <laughs> yeah i didn't know that was a real song either yeah me either i assume that was a uh dave porter original right i guess not uh and finally last email here scott says better call saul is better <laughs> thanks again great work <laughs> Thanks for writing in. <laughs> did you keep track? Of the I score? didn't. No, I lost the I lost the plot about halfway through. So we need we have two more votes. We have to add to this tally. We do. What is your vote, um, sir? I mean, obviously, everyone knows my vote is for Breaking Bad. It's my favorite show of all time. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's not terribly surprising. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will couch. What I'm about to say... You're going to be one of those can't vote people? By saying that my answer is for my personal taste. Not so much. <laughs> I mean, that's implied, right? <laughs> yeah, but but I know people are going to be giving me shit for this. Because it's Better Call Saul for Whoa. me. I like the characters better, with the exception of Jesse, who is one of my top five TV characters of all time. Yeah, he's so great. He's amazing. I just adore him. But... In the way that the way the character dramas play out, the way that these people feel on mm-hmm. screen, I like Better Call Saul better. I know you hate Walt a lot more than I do. I also hate so Walt. <laughs> I, I'm not super surprised by that, honestly. Uh, yeah. It's just unfortunate because we could have tied the vote here. Oh, no. Apparently, Better Call Saul is the better show. By one vote. By two votes. By two votes. Yeah, if we had both voted for Breaking Bad, it would have tied it up. Gotcha. Because it was six to eight. But as it stands now, it's seven to nine. Oh, man. And and you can't choosers. You can't choosers. (laughs) Two of you. You could have stepped in and tied it up. It could have been the perfect end. I was, you know what? Listen, listen. I was a, you can't, I was a, I can't chooser for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I thought about it over the past week and I came to the wrong decision. I came to a decision that was right for me, you fucker. <laughs> fair, fair. So there. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's how it's going to stand, I guess. Better Call Saul is consensus best show ever made. Well, all right. I mean, it has to be. If better, if Breaking Bad, if it's better than Breaking Bad, it has to be the best show ever made. It's a really good show. It's a very well-written show. It is. And that's it. That's where we're going to leave this very well-written, perhaps best show ever. This very, very entertaining character drama. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to say before we go? Should we tell people about Brendan on that and our plans for that? Yeah, we should probably drop a couple of lines. Okay, you want to do that? Yeah, so if you stay tuned to this feed, we will drop a trailer when we have one. Mm-hmm. We're not exactly sure when we're going to be recording the first couple. Yeah, the idea movies. is that we're maybe going to do like seasons yeah. of that show. So do like four to X number of episodes. Yeah, we need to. We need to compile a list. What we're, we're going to be doing is Brendan Fraser movies that he is a main character in. We're not going to do... Yeah. We're not insane. We're not going to do stuff that he's like... he's credited as like man three or whatever like no we're not going to do that but if he is a named character Mm -hmm. and a main character we will do those movies but yes 
We'll do it in seasons. We'll make sure that each season has at least one certified banger yep. in it. And certified bangers such as, I don't know, maybe Airheads, Encino Man, The Mummy. The Mummy, uh, Others. Those are the three that I can think <laughs> of on the top of my head. Uh-huh. I would also like to do a little bit of TV. I think his, um, his arc in Scrubs yes. was really good. I, love I, I really love that part. Yeah. So we'll we'll be mixing it up a little bit. Um, we'll have a couple of fun segments mm-hmm. that I think you guys will appreciate, especially on the gym side of things. If you want to hear him being being a complete dumbass, then oh yeah, you will enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, like Alexa yeah. said, stay tuned to this feed because this is where I mean we'll be telling you about it on any bald move feed. Mm-hmm. We'll probably drop a trailer in all of them or or close to it, the big ones. Um, so either stay subscribed to this feed or uh, get subscribed to Bald Move Pulp. Um, you might already be listening to this podcast through there. Uh, nope, you're probably listening to this through Prestige because that's where we this release is it. Prestige, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be doing the Brendan Fraser stuff though on Pulp and on yeah. its own. Brendan done that feed. Um, so yeah, get, stick around. We hope you will join us for that because it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll have more news on that as we have it mm-hmm. and we'll drop a trailer like you said, but I think that's going to do it for us here. Yeah. Thanks sadly. everybody for sticking with us for 12 years. I mean, Breaking Bad was the first podcast that Aaron and I ever did. Yeah. So that was back in 2010. Oh my God. So 2010. Ago. Yeah. What even, that's not even a real year. It's 12 years ago. 12 years. So some of you who are listening to this have undoubtedly been with us in the Breaking Bad universe and as Bald Move fans for 12 full years now. Dedication. Yeah. And we appreciate every year of it. Um, But stick around. We have so much more. We are currently talking about House of the Dragon, which Mm -hmm. is another huge show for us. We just wrapped up Westworld uh, today, in fact. It was a fun season. Uh, Yes. Yeah. And House of Dragon is shaping up to be really good. Um. Walking Dead's going to be coming back for its 11th and final season. That's the other show we've been covering. God. And that's just one show. That's right. not like, oh, it's been two, it's been a full show and prequels too, uh, and a movie. No, it's just the shit, same <laughs> stupid show it's always been. It's ridiculous. We're going to be covering the final chunk of the final season coming up here, I think, in October. Um, so, yeah, hang out with us there. And I guess until Vince Gilligan and the Villa Gang do something else. Yeah. We'll see you around. See you around. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I'm Alexis. That's Jim over there. I'm Jim. Have a good one.